I love it. <laughs> Lift both hands and say, Father God, Father God we give thanks. We give thanks. Amen. You know, it's, it's just a wonderful thing in the midst of a culture that is <laughs> full of ingrates to give thanks. Amen. Amen. And to be grateful to God. Amen. Well, I noticed uh, two Wednesdays ago I made a comment and I, I did my best to clarify it, but I didn't clarify it. So I have to clarify it tonight. And we're going to start on this because we've been dealing a few weeks with mistakes people make in prayer, mistakes people make in faith. And the last couple of Wednesdays, we've been dealing with not walking in love. And I made a comment just on an aside that I don't tell my children what to do and I don't correct them. And I went on. And when I was watching the message, it became apparent to me that I needed to clarify that. And But it's a road I would maybe prefer not to go down. And then I was in my closet yesterday and I was thinking to myself, tell your neighbor, the Lord knows what you're thinking. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, you know, maybe I ought to just skip that and do something else. And, and then he, he added a verse to my list of verses. So I, I knew I had no choice. Charles Grandison Finney, the revivalist of the second great awakening in America, used to define love this way. Love is to will and to act toward the highest good of the other. And this is very anathema to our culture today because uh, Dr. Uh, Thomas Sowell, the economist, says if you, if you want to help somebody, you tell them the truth. If you want to help yourself, you tell them a lie. And so, oh, I just, I'm in, uh, I'm in Ephesians now in the annual Bible reading and I'm not sure if it was Galatians or maybe it was 2 Corinthians, but Paul actually asked them in one of his letters, do you hate us now for telling you the truth? And that's kind of the culture we're in. Now, the base, here's some verses related to my comment two Wednesdays ago, comments on the side, an aside comment. It wasn't part of the message. I don't even know why I brought it up that I don't tell my children what to do and I, I, I don't correct them. All right. The reason for that is because we pounded into them discipline and training and the word of God in the time we had them. That's why I don't have, in other words, it's not that I don't correct them because I'm afraid to or, the, or it's not because they never make a mistake. It's because they were trained. You know, in the White House, they have these, uh, these dogs that keep biting people. And, uh, you know, it just amazes the heck out of me. I mean, how could you be a Secret Service agent and get bit? I mean, man, don't, don't let me carry a, a badge and a gun and some dog bite me because I'm going to pop it. Okay, but that tells you that those dogs were not what? They were never trained. Well, Pastor, you're not equating children to animals, are you? You can train a lot of critters. Some critters you can't train, but a lot of critters you can train. And the highest of all of God's creation is what? A human being. And so obviously, you can train a human being. 
All right. So the basis of all prosperity in God can be found in Genesis 18, 19. This is the basis of all of it. For I know him that he will command. See here, God is explaining why he chose Abraham. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and just judgment that the Lord may. Say it out loud and emphasize the word may. That the Lord may. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. I come here with the best of intentions, but the Holy Spirit of God gets me in trouble. But I trust him. He knows what he's doing. See, a lot of homes don't operate like this. In a lot of homes, in a lot of Christian homes, the woman's running the man and the children are running the woman. I couldn't count how many families we've lost out of here because the children wanted to drink. The thought never occurred to me. I'm 68 years old. The thought never occurred to me to ask my children where to go to church. Amen. I mean, what the H-E-L-L. So in a lot of homes, the woman's running the man and the, the children are running the women. And we, we all fall prey to this. Now, the last time I fell prey to this in my entire life was when Christina and Sue ganged up on me and put pressure on me to let, Sue, to let Christina go to a sleepover with girls. They were St. Paul's and they were church kids. And, you know, I said no, but... You know, dealing with one female is a tough enough <laughs> job. But, you know, when two of them gang up on you, and God bless y'all, some of you got, you know, three and four and five in one house. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, so I relented. And, you know, thank God we had pounded that training into Christina because she called her mom and said, boy, showed up over here. See? And because I know what's going on in my house but I don't know what's going on in some house over there. Can you see that? I know, and that's one reason we always had a pool. Our thinking was, if, if they're all gonna wanna go swimming, I, I, they let them come here. We know what's going on here. We don't know what's going on over there. Right? All right. Proverbs 6.23, for these commands are a lamp, this teaching is a light, and the corrections of discipline are the way to life. The corrections of discipline are the way to life. Proverbs 13, 24, he who spares the rod hates his son. So let's deal with this. How, how is this even possible? Well, let's go back to Charles Grandison Finney's definition of love. And I know that's not Bible, but he was the preacher of the Second Great Awakening in America, which is exactly what we need in America in 2023. And he said to... He said, love is to will and to act toward the highest good of the other. So if, if I have these children in my home, and by the way, none of them asked to be here. And, and I have these children in my home and I, I don't guide them. I don't train them. I don't teach them. I don't discipline them. I hate them. It's, it's in my ability and the Lord's correcting me while I'm speaking. It's, it's not just that they hate them. It's A or B. They either hate their children or they don't believe the Bible. 
They believe Dr. Benjamin Spock or some other theory, idea, or opinion. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful, careful, careful to discipline him. So, you know, we, we never disciplined our children in anger. And whenever we were called upon to discipline them, we didn't rush it. Uh, we would sit down and talk to them. And we never brought God into it. Tell your neighbor, don't drag God into whippings. You know, I've heard people, you know, I don't want to do this, but the Bible says I have to. Don't, 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 don't cast shade on God. And uh, he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. This is the verse the Lord reminded me of yesterday. Train up in the, a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, I've got a dog, I've got a child lives in another state, but I don't need to check if she went to church last Sunday. I know she went to church. I don't need to check if she was drinking beer last night. I mean, I know she wasn't drinking beer last night. I don't need to check, see if she's tithing. I know she's tithing. But it's too many of God's people. They want to do what's easy, and then they want to fix it by laying on of hands or a Daniel fast or drinking anointing oil or a prayer chain or whatever. A Daniel fast, laying on of hands, a prayer chain, anointing with oil will not fix not saving money. They will not fix not counting calories. They won't fix things. And so, my thinking was always this, that life is tough enough without me creating extra drama by being careless. And so I, I did my best. I'm not careless with money. You can ask anybody who works for us. We're, we're not careless people. And in carelessness, people create more work for themselves. So he says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train, 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 train. And I don't know if you figured it out or not, but you only have these children for so long. Then that, that, that's it, they're gone. Amen. You only have them for so long. The thought would never have occurred to me in 1976 when I married this beautiful girl. The thought would never have occurred to me that I would spend more years alone with Sue than I would with children in the house. The thought never occurred to me. So you better like the one you married because I'm telling you what, you know, you know, the children are there and then they, they grow up. Then they're gone. But if you train them, see, if you're not careless with them. Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, said people are careless with their children. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. 22.15, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Well, pastor, why do I have to do that? Because folly is bound up in the heart of, heart of a child. Listen, we are all genetic and 
spiritual descendants of the rebels, Adam and Eve. Every one of us in this room here tonight, we are genetic and spiritual descendants of Adam and Eve, the original rebels. So folly is bound up in a heart of a child. But the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Drive what from him? Folly. Proverbs 22, 13 and 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. They want you to think they're going to die. I remember Austin turned to me once. He said, I'm just a little boy. <laughs> you know, they, they want you to think they're going to die, but they're not going to die. Punish him with the rod and save his soul from death. Now, see, people just don't believe the Bible. They don't believe the Bible. Save his soul from death. What, what death is he talking about? You think he's talking about the first death? How could you save a soul from the first death? Is it even possible to save a soul from the first death? So he's not talking about the first death. He's talking about the second death. I don't know what you all think of me. <laughs> but I am mindful of this. 24-7, 365. I am mindful of this. Soon and very soon, one way or the other, we will all cross over. And the only thing that is going to matter shortly I mean, I know right now, man, we got the electric bill, you know, we got the mortgage, we got, you know, uh, tree trimming, uh, we got all this stuff we got to do, man, you know, we got a list like this. I know that, but I'm saying shortly, the only thing that's going to matter is what did you do for God and are your children with you? Amen. Shortly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but pastor, I'm young. Yeah, but it flies by, let me tell you. And then the Lord's on his way. So that's all that matters. What did you do for the Lord? And I'm not just talking about tithing or giving. How about being a help? What did you do for the Lord? And then are your children with you? That's all that's going to matter. Listen. Whatever car you drove, drove up in tonight, that, that's not going to matter in a few years. Whatever house you drive home to tonight, that's not going to matter in a few years. You know, uh, the stuff that you uh, enjoy or prize, it's not going to matter. It won't matter. None of it will matter shortly. None of it. None of it. And I like money as much as anybody else. I don't really care about money. I, I like what I can do with it. You know, I want to build phase two, and I, I like what I can do with it, but I don't like... Uh, obsess over it. I certainly don't worship it. That's why some people have trouble with me because my servant is their God. You know, I tell money, come, it comes. See, they're worshiping their money. It's my servant. You know, I'm not going to worship a servant. Can you see that? And so, and I, I understand, I understand, I do, I do, I do, you know. I mean, you know, 
Cars got to be serviced. Stuff's got to be fixed around the house. We got this list, you know, we got all this activity going on, things we got to do. I understand all of that. But what I'm saying is, big picture, that's not going to matter shortly. Only thing, only thing that's going to matter is what you do for the Lord and is your family with you. That's all that's going to matter shortly. Proverbs 29, 29, 15, the rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Proverbs 29, 17, discipline your son and he will give you peace. See, that's where I'm at. He will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. That's where we live. That's where we live. No trouble, no, no divorce attorneys, no child custody battle attorneys, no Nobody's drinking, nobody's on drugs, nobody's in rehab. I mean, I got peace. I have peace. And what's that worth? Put a dollar value on peace. You know, I told a man in this church, I said, you don't know what trouble is. You know, you lose a job, so what? You know, we've all lost a job at some point or another probably, but I said, you know, you have a child marry the wrong person, that trouble does not end. This particular guy has a daughter, and I said, I said, you know, your daughter marries some guy, and he shows up in three months in a miniskirt and thinks he's a woman. I said, you got trouble, and it ain't going away. So we have to pay attention. We have to pay attention to what's going on. Now, you can look at me in that tone of voice, but I, I had this out with the Lord. I told the Lord, I don't want to do that on a Wednesday night. I don't want to go down that road. And then he gives me another verse. So, you know, what am I going to do? Now, let me throw this in. It's not in the notes, but sometimes you'll hear me use the phrase remedial action. And so what, what do you do if you've never saved money? Well, you take Remedial action. What does remedial mean? Basic, fundamental. In other words, you just start where you are. You take remedial action. What if, you, uh, what if you're here tonight and you're a woman and you have not respected your husband? Well, you take remedial action. You start working on this. And what if you're here tonight and you're a husband and you haven't loved your wife? Well, you take remedial action on this and you start acting loving toward her. Uh, you know, pastor, I don't, I don't feel like I did. Well, the reason you don't feel like you did is because emotions follow action. Say it out loud. Emotions, emotions follow, follow actions. So when you are chasing her, you are taking certain actions and your emotion followed. And then you get busy. You're trying to make the mortgage payment. You're doing all this stuff and you're not taking the action. So you don't have emotions following. So you just uh, start taking action, remedial action. Just do the things you did when you were courting her. And then the emotions will follow. I know what I'm talking about. So they're looking at me like, man, he old, he don't know. I know what I'm talking about. Shout it out loud, sister. He knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. You have no idea how blessed you are as a congregation 
because in the summer camp this past summer, the youth minister of this church, Aaron Wood, taught those verses to your young people. You're in a blessed place. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We, we, we had parents tell us, you, I, I can't believe that it's even my teenager. In other words, the teenager that came back from camp is not the teenager I sent to camp. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not exasperate your children. How could you exasperate your children? Well, by giving them unfair or impossible standards to follow. Telling them one thing one day, telling them something else the next day, being inconsistent. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Colossians 3.21, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Now, obviously, running through those verses... And by the way, a great series that's on the app, if you're interested in this, is Austin's series. I think it's two, maybe three messages called Family Matters. But obviously, the Bible has a lot to say about this. Now, I'm going to say this, and we'll move on to where we left off on walking in love. And the reason I guess I brought this up two Wednesdays ago was in the context of walking in love. Now, when we started out, when we pioneered this church, January 1, 1984, people had to trust or assume that we knew what we were talking about. But that is not the case on November 29, 2023. See, my children are my model homes. If you go to a brand new neighborhood, they'll have one or two or three model homes and you, you're free to go in there and look around and look at the quality and, and look at uh, the fixtures and look at the bathrooms and, and look at the, you know, the detail work or the lack of detail work, see if they put any love into it or not. So I don't have to prove anything to anybody, but I, I, I face this constant flack, nonstop that we don't know what we're doing. And especially at St. Paul's, that we don't know what we're doing. I mean, that I just fell off the last banana truck and I don't know what I'm doing. Look, Sue and I pioneered our first Christian school in 1978. How many of you were not even alive in 1978? Lift your hand up. You were not even alive in 1978. Look around the room, lift it up high. You were not even alive in 1978. All right. So, we didn't just fall off the last banana truck. We've been doing this a while. And I sometimes hear about things that go on in the church, but I heard about one man asking another man in the church, how did so-and-so's children turn out so well? Why are they so well behaved? Yeah, I wish I had been right there because I would have said, look, brother, it's just pure dumb luck. <laughs> Because that's, what, that's, the, that's the only alternative to the Bible. How, how did their children turn out so great? Why are their children so well behaved? And if I'd been standing there, I'd say, look, brother, it's just pure dumb luck. Because that's, what, that's the only alternative to being careful and doing it God's way. See, I like to live my life and not count on luck. 
You ever made an investment and counted on luck? <laughs> you know, when, when, when I've noticed this, if anybody's counting on luck, they get luck all right, they get bad luck. So, the word, the word, the word. That's what I say. Amen. The word, the word, the word. How, what do I do? How do I handle money? The word, the word, the word. How, how do I handle being a husband? The word, the word, the word. How do I handle being a wife? The word, the word, the word. How do I handle being a parent? The word, the word, the word. That's it, the word. And you might say, man, you know, I, I thought you were going to come up with something innovative or different or whatever. Well, I don't know if you have noticed looking around our world today, but everything innovative is like weird. Yeah. And our goal for our children was that they have normal, productive lives. So, and that's one reason why we, we were cautious with them, especially Christina, but we were cautious with them to not get them around preachers. We did not want them connecting to the children of famous people. Because I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but the children of famous people, including ministers, they, they go through their whole lives snooty and with a sense of entitlement. And you can't tell them anything. And so we, we wanted our children to have normal lives, to marry real people, not celebs, and have normal lives amen, amen. and uh, you know the last thing I needed is to, uh, doing what I'm doing and carrying the burden I'm carrying spiritually is to be dealing with some you know Meghan Markle type uh, daughter-in-law you know what I'm saying trouble 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 there, there ain't no trouble but you let her show up there's trouble yeah, they just create it. Now, remedial action. Well, what if I didn't do any of that? You just have to go to God. You got to go to the Word of God. And you got to ask the Holy Spirit what you can do to take remedial action. And we have it going on in this church a lot. We have, I see it all the time. I don't say anything about it, but I see it all the time. People trying to, you know, guide and shepherd and uh, be a positive influence on their grandchildren more than they were on their children because they see it from the Word of God. And now they're trying to take action and do what they can to remedy, to the, remedy the situation to the best of their ability. Walking in love. For I know him, that he will command his children And his household, there's a church in the Metroplex, one of the biggest full gospel churches in the Metroplex, and they have trouble in their staff offices with people having sex. See, we don't have these problems, Faith Christian Center. You know why? Because I don't just command my family, I command my household. We don't have any of this. We don't have any of this. For I know him that he shall command his children and his household after him. In other words, first job, he's got to be, he's got to walk before the Lord rightly. 
He shall command his children and his household after him that they should keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. This, this is the basic, this is the basis of all biblical prosperity. This is it. And listen, they, they're trying to, to indoctrinate everybody that it's wrong for you to take care of your family. It's wrong for you to give your children money. It's wrong for you to leave anything to your children. You know, they want you to send your money to Ukraine or they want you to send your money to, you know, God knows where. And uh, it takes a village and all of this. No, 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 no. That, none of that's in the Bible. You know what the Bible talks about? Family. Amen. Family. And you know what a church is made up of in the Bible? Families. When that Philippian jailer was afraid he was going to take his own life because the chains fell off of Paul and the doors flew open, Paul, Paul said, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy household. And thy household. Amen. All right. So let's get back to walking in love. We ask this question, how could Psalm 105, 37 be possible? He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. How is that even possible? In the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, before Jesus, before the Holy Spirit, before the Apostle Paul, how is that even possible? And how about Deuteronomy 29, 5, during the 40 years that I had that I led you through the desert, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. And the answer lies in their covenant with God. Exodus 15, 26, he said, if you listen carefully, and right there, that's a problem. If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you, Jehovah Rapha. And we, we got a song that talks about Jehovah Rapha. We love Jehovah Rapha. I love the names of God. At I-30, we had the, some of the names of God on, on the back of the stage. I love the names of God. But how about some context? How about some context? See, he says, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, what is the number one way we can listen carefully to the voice of the Lord our God in 2023? What is the number one way? Prayer. Holy Spirit, what is the number one way we can listen carefully to the voice of the Lord our God in 2023? Talk to me. The Bible. Because it's infallible. See, I can go to God and think I heard something, and I, that's happened to me, and it wasn't God. It was me. I've learned how to be more cautious on that. So he says, I am the Lord, Jehovah Rapha, who heals you in that same covenant. Exodus 23, 25, and 26. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. Serve. If you look around a church like Faith Christian Center, it is very rare for someone to face a devastating health challenge, but it is even more rare for someone who is a part of the church to face a devastating health challenge. See, because when, when people are serving, the Lord needs them. Amen. And I've learned this about him. He takes care of his health. 
And in Deuteronomy 7:15, and the Lord shall take away from you. How about that? Wouldn't that be great? And the Lord shall take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt which you have known, but will lay them on all those who hate you. He says, I will take away sickness from the midst of you. But all of that was based on these conditions in Exodus 15, 26. If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And we barely got into this two weeks ago. Matthew 22, 36, teacher, which, of the, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And I, two weeks ago, I mentioned that I, I, I just, I wasn't certain, I guess, said that there were 413 Levitical laws they had to follow. I looked it up. There's 613 Levitical laws they had to follow. So people complain about having two. Well, I'd rather have two than 613. So it's not complicated. All God ever really wanted from man was that man love him and love his fellow man. That's it. That's it. It's not complicated. John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And that's a tall order. As I have loved you, we're supposed to love each other like Jesus loved us. That's a tall order. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By, all, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Is that what we see with our eyes in 2023? No. And I think it's a terrible thing what's going on the way people tear each other apart on social media over political candidates. And even believers do this. We need, to, we need to be pay attention to whether or not we're walking in love. Now, we dealt with this two weeks ago. That doesn't mean I let people use me and abuse me and take advantage of me. The law of love is the commandment of the New Testament. Jesus stated it this way in Luke 6, 31. Do, not, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that's always a good question to ask yourself before you do something to somebody or pay them back or dish out some payback. Would, would I want somebody doing this to me? Amen. Ask yourself, would I want somebody doing this to me? And if the answer is no, then don't do it. And I realize, you know, there are times we have to say no to people. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> you know, you realize, don't you? I, I never fire anybody. I hear about it. It's really nice. You know, back in the early days, I had to meet with people. And I was always trying to help them. So I was no good at firing people because I was trying to help them. They don't want to be helped when you're firing them. So, you know, I, I, I don't do that anymore. I just hear about it. So, but I realize you, you, you got to hire, you got to fire, you got to, you know, a young man stood out there years back and asked me if he could ask Christine out. I said, no. Somebody might say, well, you weren't walking in love. I was walking in love toward my daughter. I, I didn't criticize him. I didn't use any adjectives. I didn't elaborate. I just said no. 
So we got to deal with real things in this world, but that doesn't mean we have to be mean or hateful. See, we can be kind. And we'll get back to it, but that's the only hindrance to faith and answered prayer Jesus ever talked about was not walking in love, a lack of forgiveness. And it's a decision, isn't it? You know, Dad Hagen, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, used to talk about, you know, it's natural. You spit on me, I want to spit on you. Well, we, we have to decide, we have to make a mental decision that I'm not going to react to this. In fact, now that I've put on a couple of years... <laughs> I, I sometimes find myself in a situation. In fact, sometimes I'll say to Sue or Austin, I could, be, I could really be offended at that, but I just choose not to be. See, in other words, when I was a younger man, I might just react. But now that I put on a few years, I don't do that. See, I'm more deliberative. And I, I, I say to myself, sometimes I say to myself, Sometimes I'm out in the fellowship atrium. I say to myself, I could be offended at that, but I, I just choose not to be. I forgot what it was I did for somebody here a while back, and I heard the Holy Spirit. When I got done doing what I did, I, walked away, I was walking away, and I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, acts of kindness. Now, you're going to think I'm going soft if I talk about this, but what kind of world would we live in if, if more people were performing acts of kindness instead of laying down in the roads blocking ambulances while somebody's having a heart attack? Is that kind? Is that loving to block a road? How about somebody just trying to get to work? What kind of world would it be if, if there were more acts of kindness? Just, just acts, be kind to somebody. Sue learned, that, Sue learned that from her mom. Somebody can be out there working in the yard and she, you know, she's taking them Coca-Colas or Fantas or Sprites or whatever they want. Just being kind. Just be gracious. We have more than we need. What difference does it make to us? Be a blessing to people. Amen. When I lost that weight... You know, I had to have suits worked on, and I was really uh, concerned about it. And uh, the guy did such a great job. You know, I, I got to about trying on the third or fourth one, you know, after losing that weight. And I gave the guy a $100 bill. And the way he looked at me, nobody ever did, does that. And, and that's a fancy store in Dallas. But you could tell nobody, nobody gives him nothing. He's just the guy that gets yelled at you know, when the pants are too short or whatever. And uh, so I've started doing that when he works on my stuff. Why? Well, because I, I, like, I like going over there once and not going over there five times. That's right. and, and how about getting it right the first time? See, yep. so when he sees something with my name on it, you know what he's thinking? Oh, I got to do a good job here because, you know, I could get a C note out of this. <laughs> Rather than, oh, that's that blankety blank, you know, and man, I'm going to mess him up. Walking in love is a decision. Walking in love takes effort. And I, I mentioned 
if, you, if we'll study Mark 11, James 3, James 5, we'll see that if there's a, an air of unforgiveness about us or an air of bitterness about us, faith won't work. Jesus said that we're to have the attitude like a child. We're to have faith like a child, joyful. You know, when Austin's children come over Sunday after church, you know, I mean, I, I don't have to wonder, are they here? <laughs> it's, like, it's like somebody delivered a boatload of joy, right? I mean, they're not all walking around, you know, depressed and morose. And that's the way we are to be before the Lord. He's our daddy. Romans 13, 8 to 10, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Say it out loud. He who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. So what he's saying is, Paul, and this is in Romans, Paul is saying that this law of love sums up all the ten. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So our answer is the three verses that brought Kenneth Hagin up off his deathbed all those years ago, Mark eleven twenty two to 24. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say Unto this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I send you what things soever you desire when you pray. Believe that ye receive them. Believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. Our answer is in there. But none of that will work if we ignore the next two verses, 25 and 26. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Now listen, people don't believe the Bible. They simply don't believe the Bible. Because if they believe verse 26, Mark eleven twenty-six, they wouldn't act the way they do. Because he said, if you do not forgive... Neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. What would that be like? What would that be like? The rapture happened. You're left behind. You can't figure out why. Seven years later, one way or the other, you, get, you go to the white throne judgment and the Lord says, well, I can't forgive you of your sins because you didn't forgive your brother. People do not believe the Bible. You don't have a choice. Well, pastor, I'm having trouble forgiving them. Well, I'm sorry, I won't see you in heaven. You just have to <laughs> force yourself. You got to find a way. Let it go. Amen. Faith will not work where there is a spirit of un when there is a spirit of unforgiveness about you. Now, what if we take this new law of love and we reinterpret Exodus fifteen twenty six? We could in we could paraphrase it this way. If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his new commandment, his royal law of love, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Austin brought it up in his message Sunday that in the little booklet, it's in the cafe, Healed of Cancer. That was 42 years ago. Dodie Osteen was diagnosed with stage four metastasized liver cancer, which is a death sentence. And she knew everybody. 
she knew everybody and they all prayed for her. Oral Roberts, T.L. Osborne, Kenneth Hagan, they all prayed for her and she was not healed. And in her Bible study, the Lord led her to this because being pastors, people had done them wrong and she had held on in her heart against people. And so she wrote some notes to people saying she forgave them and she was healed. 42 years ago, the woman's 90 years old. I mean, she is a walking, talking, living miracle of God because stage four metastasized liver cancer is a death sentence. So, how about we do some homework on this? How about, how about once a day for the next seven days, we do an act of kindness for someone? And how about if anybody does, uh, does us wrong to let it go and forgive them? Amen. And uh, how about going out of our way to be a blessing to somebody? Amen. Yeah, but they don't deserve it. Well, that's the whole point. Amen. 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 And like Jesus taught, bless those who curse you. <laughs> bless those who despise. Don't you just love this stuff? I just love it. Oh, I just get goosebumps, you know. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Uh, you know. <laughs> Forgive me, Father. You know, bless those who use you. Bless those who despitefully you know, uh, abuse you. Oh my. But like we dealt with Sunday. Beautiful Jesus healed the slave of the high priest after Peter cut off his ear at, his, at the arrest of Jesus. Kindness. Kindness. Now, you, you, you could be sitting here thinking, man, that's just too much. I can't do that. How many of you tonight, I got my hand up first, are counting on the kindness of God? I am counting on the kindness of God. And so, and then hanging on that cross, sinless Jesus. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And you know, a lot of, a lot of times the people doing what they're doing to us they don't know what they're doing. If they knew what they were doing, they wouldn't do it. If they knew what they were doing, they wouldn't do it. So obviously they, they don't know. And then also with regard to walking in love and with this, I'm going to quit. One thing I think more than anything that has helped me over the years in this area of walking in love is this. But well, he's correcting me. I got, I got another thing to say is to look to him for my defense. If I look to him for my defense, then I don't have to worry about protecting myself. He wants me to say one more thing on this thing of children. When we, when we pioneered this church, January 1, 1984, um, you know, there, there are some famous ministries in the Metroplex. And we, we've been around them, but we never really fit in with them. And I noticed back up, in the late 80s and the early 90s that part of the way we were not really in sync was in this area of walking in love. An associate minister of one of these famous big full gospel guys, he and his wife came to I-30 for a while and they were absolutely, 
I mean, they, they misbehaved. They just misbehaved. And the, their attitude seemed to be that they could do, just do anything they wanted to us. They could say anything they wanted to us. And we were just supposed to walk in love. And uh, so they got introduced to a, an usher. And uh, now you go forward 25, 30 years. If you look at the children, it's train wreck after 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 train wreck. See, this thing of walking in love is not a panacea any more than a, a fast or anointing with oil or the laying on of hands. So, you know, when, when your child is acting like he or she has Tourette syndrome and they're throwing a fit on the floor and foam's coming out of their mouth, you don't just lovey-dovey them. See, because you're going you're gonna to ruin them. Now, if, if, if it's that extreme, you might cast the devil out of them and then whip them. But see, they, they have this idea in their head that if you love, you never discipline. If you love, you never correct. And I'll tell you where it shows up in those ministries is in their associate ministers, they never get corrected. I watch every message that's preached at Faith Christian Center when I'm gone. Every message, including Aaron Wood. I even Sue, I watch every message. And they'll tell you, I'm not bashful about saying, you know, you could have stated that better, or this was great, or to bring correction. I command my household. And I have superior results. Now, you could be here tonight and say you're bragging on yourself. Look, I think I have earned the street cred. Because I... If you really want to analyze a ministry, don't look at their jet. Don't look at their property. Don't look at uh, their fame level. If you really want to analyze a ministry, you look at their children. Because that is what their theology has produced. And you got to then ask yourself, if you're a critical thinker, do I want that? And if that's what you want, then that's where you need to be. I love everybody. But uh, I have an advantage. The callings and giftings of God are without repentance. And he, he called me and he put me in a couple of offices. And that's an advantage. I do understand that. But also, Sue and I made fundamental decisions way back. I'm talking 40 plus years ago that we were going to go by the word of God. We were going to go by the word of God in our marriage. We were going to go by the word of God with our children. We were going to go by the word of God with our money. And then running this church. How about this? Know them that labor among you. So if we find it in the Bible, we go by it. 
And I figure <laughs> it doesn't take much humility to say this. I figure he knows more about it than I do. Whether it's parenting or money or marriage or how to run a church. He knows more about it than I. So I just go by what he says. Amen. And we don't have trouble. Praise God. We don't have trouble. Hallelujah. My beautiful, wonderful, gracious, heavenly Father, I give you the credit, the glory, and the honor for everything done here. I would not have known how to come in or go out. I would not have known how to do anything but through your word and through your spirit and through my fathers in the faith, you showed me the way to live. And I thank you for it, Father God. I didn't pioneer this. Others went ahead of me, my fathers. And I'll be gathered to them someday. But I thank you that in this time frame, in this era, that that's my role now. And I thank you for it, Father God. I'm not going to shrink back from it. I'm going to be to others what those men were to me. And I thank you, Father God, that you have met every need. You've paid every bill. You've covered us. I thank you, Father God, in your kindness. You have healed me several times in 2023. I thank you, Father God. You're wonderful. And I wish everybody could know how wonderful you are. He is awesome. Our Father. You know, I had to cross 60 to call him Daddy. Don't wait that long. I just read that. It's either in Galatians or Ephesians that our spirit calls out to him, Abba, Father, Daddy. He's the daddy I never knew. He's the daddy I never had. I love him. And he watches over me. But more than that, he watches over his word. You want him watching over you, be a doer of his word. Because he watches over his word to perform it.